Are you ready for Christmas? Has anybody, has anybody asked you that already? I, I mean, you know, it's almost like, um, well, nowadays, even before Thanksgiving. But um, right after Thanksgiving, um, every week, I'm going to hear, you're going to hear, Are you ready for Christmas? Yes. <laughs> and that's what I said when I was a child. Yes, I'm ready for Christmas to get here. Um, how many of you are preparing for Christmas? Yes? You see, um, the church is preparing for Christmas, thanks to Mary Terrell and, and some other folks. Um, we have uh, decorated the church yesterday. Um, we uh, began decorations, well, I shouldn't say we began. Deb began decorations of the house. I carried a few things upstairs and said, oh, that looks wonderful. Um, we have these routines that we do every year at this time of season, right? Uh, we begin to get ready for the 25th of December. We begin to get ready for this holiday called Christmas. And um, yet, I wonder um, if while we're in the process of doing that, we also begin to prepare and get ready to celebrate Christmas afresh and anew. You know, that day when God came in flesh to begin this journey and to, and to live this life that demonstrated His love for us. I thought it might be good as, uh, as we prepare uh, for, for Christmas, as we um, enter into this Advent season, oftentimes... Um, even pastors, we, we're always looking, I mean, how many times can you tell the Christmas story over and over and over again? And sometimes I think we try to come up with creative ideas as to what to do during the Advent season. And I wonder if it's not just worthwhile for us to slow down and to take a look at the stories, especially the stories in Luke that led up to that first Advent, that first coming of God into the world. And so uh, we are going to uh, look at Luke chapter 1 throughout this entire um, Advent season. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve, we'll read uh, from Luke chapter 2. Uh, but I'm going to begin by um, reading in uh, chapter 1, verse 5. During the rule of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abaha. His wife, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, blameless in their observance of all the Lord's commands and regulations. But they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to become pregnant, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving as a priest before God because his priestly division was on duty. Following the customs of priestly service, he was chosen by lottery to go into the Lord's sanctuary and burn incense. All the people who gathered to worship were praying outside during this hour of incense offering. Do you, do you hear this routine uh, that Zechariah is going through? Um, he's just going about his daily life. 
it happened to be uh, his turn, um, his division's turn to uh, serve at the temple, and he drew the straw to go in and to offer the incense on that day. And so he was the one who would enter in, would burn this incense, and would offer up a prayer for Israel. And I just wonder, as he offers up that prayer, he's going through his normal routines that he would go through at this time of year, offering up this prayer to God. Maybe like we offer up uh, the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe uh, just um, going through the motions and saying things maybe without thought or expectation. Do you, do you get this sense? I mean, after all, Israel had been waiting for a long, long, long time for God to act on their behalf and to deliver them and to once again bring forward a king in the line of David that would uh, deliver Israel and set up this, this kingdom in which Israel would rule with God. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And part of me wonders whether they had stopped waiting with expectation and anticipation. You know what I mean? Uh, sometimes um, we just wait and go through the motions and the expectation and the anticipation of what might be has left us. So here is Zechariah going through um, his routine being a faithful follower of God as a priest. And we're told as he entered in on this day and he offered up incense, beginning in verse 11, we hear these words. An angel from the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Uh, yeah, when Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled and overcome with fear. Who would expect an angel to show up in the midst of going through the routines of preparing? And then the angel said to Zechariah, Don't be afraid, your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to your son, and you must name him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many people will rejoice at his birth. For, for there will be great in the Lord's eyes. He must not drink wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will bring many Israelites back to the Lord their God. He will go forth before the Lord, equipped with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will turn their hearts of fathers back to their children, and he will turn the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking. He will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Your prayers have been answered to you. A child will be born. 
Now, I kind of doubt, um, we're told that Elizabeth and Zechariah were beyond childbearing age, and so I kind of doubt uh, that uh, Zechariah had just been praying in the last week that they would be blessed with the birth of a child. Who knows how long it had been since Zechariah had prayed that prayer, even though in the depths of his being there may have been that longing that they would have a child. Likewise, I wonder if indeed Zechariah um, had been praying for the coming of a Messiah or not, or again, uh, if um, that had long ago passed away, and the people had stopped really praying to God, even though they longed for a Messiah to come. I can't help but wonder. And yet, we see in the midst of him going through his routine, this angel comes to him and says, Hear the new possibilities that God is creating, not just for you, but for all of Israel. Did we hear that? It's not just that Zechariah and Elizabeth, their longing for a child will be fulfilled, but as their longing for this child is fulfilled, in some way this child will participate in preparing the way for the coming of the King. The angel, uh, the angel says that... Um, much joy, not only from, for Elizabeth and Zechariah, but for all of Israel. When he says that the, the hearts of fathers will be turned back to their children and the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking, uh, he is alluding to the promises in, in the prophets. The day that the people expected when someone like Elijah would come. And challenge the people to turn and to return to God. So in the midst of his everyday routine, Zechariah is surprised by this coming of an angel that says, God is answering your prayers. Who knows how long ago Zechariah had voiced those prayers, and yet there was this longing within him. And yet here is Zechariah's response. He says to the angel in verse 18, How can I be sure of this? My wife and I are very old. And the angel replied, I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to, to speak to you and bring this good news to, to you. Do you hear a Zechariah? It is so caught off guard by the fact that God is intervening in the midst of his life and intervening in the midst of Israel. He can't believe it. Can God really do this thing? Is the time of the long-awaited king, has it really 
come. It's almost as if Zechariah finds himself um, standing um, at the train depot waiting for the train to come. And when it arrives, he's not sure if he wants to hop on to this thing he's been longing for. After all, he's become pretty comfortable with the routine of life and how things are going. I mean, if he gets on board with this thing, uh, um, life might be disrupted a little bit. He, he, he might have to leave his comfort zone. And he might have to begin to look at what God is doing and follow along. The angel replied, I'm Gabriel, I stand in God's presence. I was sent to speak to you and to bring this good news to you. Know this, what I have spoken will come true at the proper time, but because you didn't uh, believe, you will remain silent and unable to speak until the day these things come. I guess that was the sign. Um, Zechariah asked for a sign, so the angel gave him a sign. You're going to be mute for nine months. Wow. How would any of you like that? Mute for nine months. It says, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. They wondered why he was in the sanctuary for such a long time. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he gestured to them he could not speak. Can you imagine the people wondering just what in the world had happened in there? And Zechariah is unable to communicate to them what had happened. They knew something significant had happened, but they weren't sure what it was. They would have to wait nine months like Zechariah. And we're told that Zechariah, when he completed the days of his priestly service, he returned home. Afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. She kept to herself for five months saying, This is the Lord's doing. He has shown his favor to me by removing my disgrace among people. Remember to be barren in the days of Zechariah and Elizabeth was seen to be a disgrace and dishonorable, and yet now she has had that restored. Later in chapter 1, um, Zechariah's silence will be broken. When the baby is born and everybody expects that the child will be named Zechariah Jr., And Mary says, no, his name, or Mark, uh, Elizabeth says, his name's going to be uh, John. And the people are like, no, 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 this can't be right. And the first words out of Zechariah's mouth are, his name will be John. His name will be God's grace. Does that story get our attention? I mean, that's how the first Advent season began. Someone going about their routine. Maybe haphazardly um, offering up prayers 
asking God to come into their life, to make a difference in their life, asking uh, God to lift up the people of Israel, the people of God, asking Him to uh, redeem them and deliver them and restore them. Having this deep, deep longing. And yet, not really expecting that God would show up. Not really anticipating that God would do anything new and different. Just another ho-hum Advent season waiting for the 25th of December to arrive so that we can unwrap the presents underneath the tree, play with them for a couple of days, And then go about life as it was. But you see, Advent season, it's a season that we celebrate every year. It's important for us to hear this at the beginning of the Christian year because it reminds us that the God who created us and sustains us is a God of new possibilities. Is a God who is always creating new ways and new opportunities for God's people to participate in His coming kingdom. Can you get a picture of just how surprised Zechariah was when that angel showed up and said, I'm about to do a new thing. I wonder what might happen if in this Advent season, as we go about the preparations that we normally do, both inside the church and outside the church, uh, getting ready for the 25th of December, getting ready for Christmas, getting ready for Christmas Eve and to celebrate the birth of Jesus, I wonder if we might recapture an expectation and an anticipation that God will show up in new and fresh ways to intervene in our lives and intervening in our lives and meeting our deepest longings that through us and in us, He will begin to meet the longings of our community. And people who are without hope will have hope again. People who are hurting and broken will begin to experience healing. People will once again experience wholeness and joy. This Advent season, let's not be like Zechariah. Let's not just go through the motions and be surprised when God shows up. Let's go through this season in expectation and anticipation, looking, looking for where God is at work and where God is revealing Himself to us. 
and where God is seeking to touch us in the depths of our being so that we might be healed and made whole and we might go forth to offer the same hope and healing and wholeness to our community and the world. Will you expect God to do something new this Advent in our midst and in our congregation? I hope so. Let's pray. Gracious God, in the midst of our routine during this Advent season, may you nudge us and speak to us. May you remind us that you are indeed a God who is involved in the midst of our lives and the world. May you make ever apparent to us the new possibilities and the new opportunities that you are creating so that we might participate in the coming of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. I invite you to participate in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Indeed, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God creator of heaven and earth. Indeed, you gave your people the land. You gave your people your presence. But they failed to be the people that you had called them to be, just like we so often fail to be the people that you call us to be. And yet you promised that you were always creating new possibilities. Indeed, we are reminded that you are the potter and we are the clay and that you are always working and shaping us so that we might be the people that you intended us to be. A people who are blessed so that we might bless others and so that the whole world might be blessed in and through us by God's grace. And so it is with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Indeed, holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to be watchful, to always be on the lookout for God coming afresh and anew into our lives. 
inviting us to expect and to anticipate God at work in our world and in our lives and in our communities. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to the church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death. And you made with us a new covenant by water and by spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. Gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took the cup again. He gave thanks. He said, drink from this, all of you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my bo- the blood of Christ poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And so it is in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ. We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the great mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Indeed, pour out your Holy Spirit upon those gathered here. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon this gift of cup and bread. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. So that we might be the body of Christ, redeemed by His love, filled with His Spirit. Always expecting and anticipating the new possibilities that God is creating and leading us toward. Indeed, by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ shall come in final victory and we shall join him in that heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, through your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen.